Welcome to the Genuine Gals Podcast, where we talk about real shit in a fun way. Just two gal pals talking about life like we're out to lunch. Let's get into it. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon or good evening, depending on what time we're catching you. This week, I am going to record a solo podcast because Cammie is feeling under the weather. We're going to continue on with the quotes from the self-care with wall Instagram account. The quote for this week is following for the potential of who someone could be instead of who they actually are will cause you grave pain and disappointment. The sooner you let go, the faster you'll heal. So we're going to try our best to take this apart without my balance, my, my yin, the yin to my yang and uh, see how it goes, but uh, this may be a very unbalanced recording. (laughs) Okay, let's go ahead and get started. So a couple of ideas that first fell into my head when I read this quote was that it's actually not correct. And then the next thought almost immediately was, okay, well, sometimes it is correct. And I guess the best way I can describe it is by giving actual examples of when it's incorrect and when it is correct, in my opinion. So when you have a kid, they're full of potential, right? They have not really developed and become who they're going to be yet. They're just always growing. They have so much to grow into. And that's how we treat children when they're born. We treat them as if they're full of all this potential. And I think it's okay to hold up standards for their potential and help groom them and help really help them grow. Of course, children are trying to also learn about themselves and figure out who they are. So there needs to be some freedom in letting them explore that. But for anyone who's worked with children, worked in schools, especially with young children, you know that if left to their own devices, the children will end up murderous assholes. (laughs) They do need socialization. They do need guidance from good adults around them. And if they don't get that, I was actually just talking to my fiance about something in particular. They were um, recording this podcast about how, especially young boys and girls are socialized out of aggression And they do that through rough and tumble play with other kids, their siblings, and especially their dads. And if they're not, they're not taught how to rough and tumble play and pick up on those social cues of, ow, you went too far, or, okay, if you keep coming at me this intensely, we're not playing anymore, figuring out where that line is, then they get onto the schoolyard and start playing with another kid in a rough way, they don't know where that line is. And the kids who are socialized properly do know where that line is. Okay. It's okay for us to rough and tumble play as long as nobody gets hurt. If you kick me in the balls or punch me in the nose, it's too far. We're no longer playing. Right. But a lot of the regulation that is developed with rough and tumble play is helping them learn how to deal with their frustration as a kid. And this is all, you know, um, from indirect 
source. So I'll see if I can find the source on this, but I have learned a little bit about how, um, how a lot of mammals do rough and tumble play so that they can regulate into functioning adults and it's the same for our kids, you know? And so seeing that, okay, they're this little really like demon on wheels kind of child because they're extremely happy one minute and extremely angry or sad the next. And the fact that they're small and cute helps us put up with that. But at the end of the day, if they were a full grown adult throwing those tantrums and experiencing those extreme emotions in public or in front of someone, your alarm bells go up and say, okay, this is not someone who's really developed to function well in certain dynamics, can't handle failure, can't handle uh, the word no, which is super important uh, for kids. You know, nobody wants to interact, work with, date a 30-year-old, really two-year-old in on the inside. So socializing kids properly is good to help kind of curate them so that they can really reach their potential. So in a way, you are kind of falling for their potential. I think this quote probably refers more to romantic relationships, to be honest, because, you know, it doesn't take much to figure out that we've all dated losers. (laughs) Uh, I'll be the first to raise my hand on that one. I've dated some great people, but I've dated a good handful of losers and Um, There's a read up thread in response to this quote, actually, which is, are you breakups? Um, And the quote is literally on Reddit and there's a whole thread of people responding to it. And they're all discussing their, really their experience with a significant other. So from what I gather, there's only a few comments, but from what I gather, it looks like people have this fantasy when they get into a relationship of somebody else or the, you know, the other person and whether that person themselves is putting off that illusion of, you know, they're perfect in these ways or they're really it's mate value, right? You're putting off this illusion of mate value and women, we unfortunately, sorry to burst anyone's bubble, but we can't really hide our mate value because evolutionarily speaking, our mate value is presented in physical features. I know it's super unfortunate. I do not endorse it, especially because uh, we have so much mental potential and we're a lot more similar to guys than we, we used to be, um, which is great. But at the same time, There are physical indicators of our mate value, and that includes youthful features, right? Long, strong hair. Um, The hip to waist ratio has actually been really studied and demonstrated. So that's an interesting one if you want to look it up. But then at the same time, you know, there are different tastes. And so like mother nature iterates a lot of variations of a similar thing. So when you have a male-female attraction, those they cannot conform to anything else except for the male female attraction and then you also have men 
male to male attraction, female to female attraction, right? There's like a bunch of iterations of a similar thing. Then you have polyamory, right? Which is actually not really a similar thing, but at the basis of it, there's that loving security, right? So I, I won't get into all of that because, you know, how people decide to find love, as long as it's not hurting themselves or other people, like it, it really, it really is their own business. I, I think, um, so we won't get too much into that, but, uh, very interesting topics and it all makes sense if you think of it through an evolutionary perspective, because that's how mother nature is, right? She iterates a bunch of different variations of a similar thing along a thread and then she'll decide to go off on these branches and whether or not the branches are successful will determine their longevity. So um, all that to say people's sexual preference and the different dynamics we end up in with other people um, it's all to, it all speaks to that in some regard and whether or not you believe in free will, I definitely do because it's better to believe that you have free will, even if you don't. Um, it's kind of like that saying where it's better to believe in God and find out that he doesn't exist than to not believe in God and find out that he does. So it was the same thing for me with the free will. I, I prefer to live in a world where people take responsibility of their choices. And I feel like the the lack of free will argument is kind of a slippery slope in that direction. I could be wrong. I've had some interesting discussions on that regard with some other researchers that were new to the field, but anyways, that was quite the side tangent getting back to seeing the potential in somebody else and understanding that um, they may have put off an illusion and that's actually not who they really are. And they're actually imperfect And really some of these quotes are responding to, like, I remember who the person I fell in love with used to be, and I keep waiting for them to come back to that, right? And so I guess in a way, that's also them hoping for a past potential to manifest again. But in general, I think falling for the potential of someone, of who someone could be, really means you're projecting something onto them that you're expecting them to accomplish or acquire, right? A character, a characteristic, a job, a certain income, a certain behavior, really, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to throw women under the bus, but there's a reason it's a stereotype of women trying to change men. And you know, men do it too. That's for sure. Uh, The way it's manifested for me is that men want me to look a certain way. And at the end of the day, I get why, you know, you want your, your, your woman, you also want this for your man, but you want them to look healthy, right? You want them, you want them to uphold their mate value. And you definitely don't want them to deceive you into thinking that you're better than you are. (laughs) But I, I honestly, I think that everybody's doing that anyways. <laughs> like we're all just presenting this version of ourselves and we're not even doing it consciously. And, you know, that's what makeup is. Makeup can be an enhancer that allows you to move through the world and interact with people in a enhanced way, let's say, Um I'm sorry if you like to wear red lipstick and you think it has no effect on how people see you, but it does. I'm you're literally 
our brains respond to the color red and to certain shapes and lips are one of those things, right? So, you know, the enhancement, the, um, the similarity to fruit and the response that that image elicits is a thing. It happens subconsciously. So, you know, we wear makeup to be more beautiful or honestly to look younger or just look like we're not sick. And I think that it's okay. Like we can admit, okay, I'm wearing makeup so that it doesn't look like I stayed up all night taking care of a crying baby and, and just exhausted and fatigued. I don't want to present that, especially if I'm going into work or, you know, something like that, where you have to look like you're capable. So women need to wear makeup (laughs) and there's a line, right? Sometimes there's too much makeup and you could maybe make the argument that that's misleading, right? Because I think of that scene from Bridesmaids where she's sleeping with this guy and she slips out of bed in the morning to put a little bit of makeup on and make herself look prettier than she usually does first thing in the morning. And it's funny, right? Because we all want the guy next to us to wake up and think, man, she looks good in the morning or she looks good without makeup. Um, And it's unfortunate, but like the more makeup you put on, the less likely you're going to look like the person you were without makeup, right? And so I'll let you cross that bridge for yourself to see how that's going to play out in the future with a man you're trying to bag. But anyways, all that to say, the potential beauty of a woman, this is why I was going to bring it up again, but going back to the Beauty and the Beast story, um, Belle, she decides that she's going to prioritize her mind and prioritize developing herself into adventure. And she prioritizes that over socializing with superficial people in the town. She doesn't care that they're judging her. And she even rejects someone based off their smashing good looks. Um, And that's because She's chosen not to value the those external features. I think that's huge. We really definitely evolved to have that kind of, I don't know, I don't think everyone's got that. And I definitely don't think anyone's completely only attracted to the inside. But I think that's why Belle really spoke to me because I'm definitely more of the... I, I'm not really attracted to people. I can see people on the road. And to be honest, women catch my eye more than men do but I'm not sexually attracted to women. I know that tried it. And I know that I'm eventually become sexually attracted to some men, but they have to demonstrate this, um, this intelligence before, you know, I'm soaking my panties. So, uh, apologies if that was inappropriate, but this podcast is rated explicit for a reason. Anyways, all that to say, Falling for the potential of who someone could be the makeup thing. Yeah, sure. At some point, the person you're trying to engage in a long-term relationship is going to see you without makeup. Why not build something else up that may be able to be sustainable? Like, um, like your brain, for example, (laughs) it's like, not everybody has the same IQ. And to be honest, that's the 
biggest, most cruelest form of inequality I think Mother Nature has bestowed upon us. But that's just how like Mother Nature is cruel. She's benevolent and she's cruel. We have to accept that we are products of that. So we're also benevolent and cruel and everything in between, right? That's, I mean, obviously we should take responsibility for ourselves and figure out how to do better. But at the end of the day, Mother Nature is going to have the final say. I really think that. And, you know, as much as we try to control um, through this order, which I think we do a pretty good job of figuring out how to balance that out, to be honest. I mean, after looking at our past, we we, we fail at some things and we do better at other things. But um, I think in the net trajectory, we're going in the positive direction and trying to figure out how to do better in all the regards. So, and that's maybe naive. I don't know. I used to be a little bit more negative in my outlook about it, but you know, I don't think that that's really helpful either is to just be solely negative. So anyways, super side tangent morning today, the makeup thing, falling for people's potential, developing the inside of yourself. Uh, developing your character, developing your soul that can manifest in religious, traditional behaviors, spiritual behaviors that can manifest in um, serving the community, serving other people, right? Um, But also developing your brain. I mean, that can look like meditation, that can look like reading, Um. You can develop your brain in a very negative way, though. So definitely be careful with the stuff you're reading and uh, learn how to critically analyze it. So all that to say, someone's potential, I think it's really okay to be like, okay, this person is great. They have these flaws and I'm going to acknowledge those flaws. Let me orient myself properly and who they actually are. And then I'm going to make a decision. And I think... I mean, I get why it doesn't work for some people who live together to get married and then they end up getting more divorce or they they end up having a higher divorce rate. I think it is if you live together before you're married or something like that. And that could be because of what message you're trying to tell the other person is essentially you're good enough for now, but I'm going to hold off committing myself to you until someone else comes along. I totally get that. I do think subconsciously that's a lot of the message that you're giving each other when you live together before you get married. However, you also need to give that person, especially for women, and I think men need this too, because, you know, there are some women out there that present themselves in a way that they actually aren't, but I don't think it takes that long to figure that out with women where with men, maybe it doesn't take as long either, but I think it takes longer for women to figure out, oh, I can't change him. And he's actually toxic. (laughs) especially if you don't live together, right? Like as soon as you, he can clean up his house and present himself to you in a certain way. But then as soon as you live together, you figure out, oh my gosh, this guy is X, Y, and Z, not a good fit. If these things don't adjust, I know I'm going to be miserable. They're going to eventually grow up into these big old dragons and devour our relationship and our life. Like, do I really want to get married and have kids with this person? Probably not. So I think living together can help you kind of orient properly with what that person actually is. But I do think that you should also push them towards their potential because you never want to resign yourself to think, oh, this is it. 
I've hit the top. There's nothing more I can do. And I'm good as I am. Fuck that. If anyone comes to that conclusion, they're usually a loser. (laughs) That might've been a little too harsh because it's okay to have confidence and be like, I'm awesome. (laughs) I did this. I did that. But you should always be looking for something else to improve. Okay. I accomplished this. Now what's next, right? You should also properly celebrate. I'm not saying you shouldn't like sit in those moments where you just rocked everything, but at the same time, you need like the humility is a virtue for a reason, right? You can't just sit there and be like, I accomplished this one thing and I'm awesome. I don't need to do anything else. I really think at the end of the day, that's not serving you as the individual. Um, so in that regard, and that was my first response to this quote, falling for the potential of who someone could be instead of who they actually are. No, we should, we should see, okay, this person is this, and I accept this, who they actually are. But also if they stay like this, it's a no-go, right? Like they are responsible for constantly improving themselves, And I'll give an example from my relationship. My past was all that this, you know, that my ex needed help and we had wonderful times. And then he would just flip a switch. It was like, he was two different men and he would flip a switch and just lose it. (laughs) And it was kind of scary. Sometimes we were long distance, so I didn't see it manifest in the extent that it could have, um, But the more we saw each other, the more I realized, okay, this is not something that's going to improve because he's not willing to do the work to improve it. So in a sense, I I wasted four years of my life, but not really. I I should take that back. I didn't waste it. Yes, I probably should have figured it out sooner. But I also think I learned a ton about myself and I grew up in that circumstance and really developed a backbone and figured out how to be disagreeable. And, you know, it taught me a lot. And I'm, he, when he was a good boyfriend, like brought a lot to my life. So I don't think I wasted, I I think it took me some time to figure it out, especially because we were long distance, but at the end of the day, you know, breaking up with him was a really good decision because kind of lost it. And that only reinforced the fact that I made the right choice even though it can be a little scary with someone who's got that split personality. But um, anyways, whatever I needed to, whatever fire I needed to go through that, that relationship put me through kind of helped forge this expectation idea in my head of, okay, I'm going to accurately orient with who I am and who the other person is, figure out what exactly I want. And if our goals don't align, I'm not going to pussyfoot around it. And I'm not going to say, okay, well, maybe they'll change. No, like I'm too, I had bit, I had turned 30 by that point. And I was like, I'm going to find someone who's down to tell the truth, someone who's down to negotiate with me, someone who's down to hold up a mirror to me. And who wants to wrestle with me essentially, right? Wrestle through these difficult things. Because if you think that life in marriage is going to be like the fantasy of the wedding, which is why I don't like weddings, by the way, for myself. I mean, I love weddings actually, um, but I think that they inaccurately represent the road ahead 
instead is supposed to be like this preparation for a long ass journey, right? And the people there are supposed to help give you tools and sustenance and things to make it on that journey and, you know, support you. At the end of the day, you need to look at your your man and look at the road ahead and say, okay, there's a lot I can't see, but I'm willing to fare the unknown on this pathway with you. And I pick you as that person because I know that you're going to rise to the challenge, right? And that literally picking that person and saying, you're going to rise to the challenge of figuring out finances, buying a home, moving across the country, developing our careers together, or, you know, set on their separate career paths, but like supporting each other in that also prioritizing sex, prioritizing intimacy, prioritizing quality time spent together, um, kids eventually, right? Growing old, loss of jobs, loss of family members, grief, all of those things that are literally waiting for us down the road because that's what life is. I'm picking you because I think that you are man enough to, to step up to the plate, right? To fare this with me, to support me when I need it and to tell me the truth when I need it to negotiate me when we we need it to figure this out together. And he is saying the exact same thing to me, right? You are woman enough for this. You, you know, balance me out. You bring things to the table that I need. You are enough for me to fare this with. I know you will step up to the plate and I know you will rise to the challenge. That is what the marriage is, right? The first step. And so figuring that out, you're not necessarily marrying into this fantasy, this gorgeous <laughs> bride and this handsome groom. It's so much more than that. You're you're marrying their character and their soul, their mind, right? And it, you should know what they're made out of and also what their potential is accurately, So being accurately oriented with that after my ex, the next guy who is now my fiance, the next guy I dated, I laid it all out to him. We connected really well, which was great. But I essentially said, hey, look, before this turns romantic, here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who is going to tell the truth, who's going to contend with me and not shut down, who's going to work on themselves who's going to accept the mirror I hold up and also be a mirror to me. Like, this is what I'm looking for. Here's my financial situation. Here are the parts about me I still need to improve. And I know there's other areas that I still need to improve. Here's my strengths. Here's what I offer. I I did my best to accurately orient him with who I actually am so he can see past the looks and into my heart, right? Into what I actually bring. And I was like, that's it. You know, here's, here's what I'm looking for. And if this isn't for you, then (laughs) bye-bye. Um, and he met me there, which is crazy. I didn't, I mean, he was the first guy I dated after my ex and we had connected so well. So I knew there was some kind of connection there. So it could have been a strong one. It could have been a good relationship, but at the end of the day, if he wasn't going to rise to the challenge, then, you know, it wasn't going to go anywhere. And he chose to, and now we're engaged (laughs) and we're going to be married soon. So anyways, all of that to say, 
in a way we're also falling in love with their potential, right? Like you're not everything you could be, but you're enough for me right now, because I know that you're going to prioritize all the things that you could be and help yourself develop into those things. You know, we've already dealt with some pretty challenging stuff and when the other person rises to the challenge, it just renews our love for, for them. And that's great. And some of the stuff's really hard, really tests the relationship, but also you kind of want to stress test your relationship because that's why I really want to go camping, right? Like I want to see what he's made out of in the wild. (laughs) I want to see, okay, what do you, what are you made out of when you have to poop in the woods and you have to use this tiny little stove to cook food and you don't get enough sleep and your mattress is uncomfortable. I say mattress. It's more like one of those pads and you were cold and you were hot and you have all these things to complain about, but yet are you going to complain about them? Or are you going to man up and say, I like roughing it? <laughs> and uh, for me, same thing. Am I going to bitch and complain and whine? Or am I going to woman up and be like, no, I can do this look at me go. I'm, I'm confident that I can, I can survive a freaking camping trip without making it too glamorous. <laughs> so I like the challenges of life and like to see what we're made out of and constantly stress test ourselves and our relationships so that, you know, we are ready for the things that life's going to throw at us. So anyways, all that to say, I think the falling for the potential of who someone could be instead of who they actually are is partially true because you should accept who they actually are. They should be a good fit. You should be accurately oriented. And for the potential of who they could be, you should also include that. You you shouldn't accept someone to just stay the same, right? You want them to grow into a better version of themselves. Otherwise, they're going to devolve. That's just how Mother Nature works. If you're not moving, you're dying. If you're not moving, you're going backwards. So figure out the direction you want to move in. And hopefully those directions parallel. I get that people go on different paths and develop different things. And that tension point of your relationship, constantly trying to keep each other close may prevent you from striving for the moon, you know? But at the end of the day, that's what you do with your kids, right? Like, I know you're going to eventually leave me, but kid, if you can strive for the moon, you got to go for it, you know? So hopefully your partner won't do that to you. And hopefully you have a dynamic where like, if they do have an opportunity to strive for the moon, and that means that they're going to leave you behind, that you love them enough to do what's best for them. Maybe striving for the moon is what's best for them. Maybe staying in a loving relationship and and making the sacrifices it takes to make that work is is what it takes. So we talked about this last time life requires sacrifice. So choose your damn sacrifice, choose what you're going to sacrifice, but don't fool yourself into thinking that you don't have to make a sacrifice because if you don't choose life's going to choose for you. Um, And I think that's also the piece of sitting still, like I'm just going to sit still and not choose which path to take and make the sacrifices necessary to take that path. I'm going to choose to sit still and not develop myself into more of a potential for my relationship, for my significant other, for my family. And 
if you do that, life's going to choose for you. And I guarantee if you've got a strong partner with a good head on their shoulders, who expects you to do better and expects that out of themselves as well, they're not going to stick around if you're just sitting there waiting for decisions to be made for yourself. So I'm sure y'all can picture this just fine. I don't need to over explain it, but anyways, falling for the potential. I do think that you need to have some idea of what your person's potential will be, especially with your kids. Right. And you do need to also accept who they actually are and not just always try to change them. And also for people who try to change their partners, maybe you do know better, but the likelihood of you fully knowing the path they need to take to, let's say someone drinks too much, right? And you know, it's better for them if they don't drink as much, or let's say someone eats too much and you know, it'd be better if they didn't eat as much. The pathway to accomplish that change is probably not going to be through you. It might be, someone might be motivated to change for their partner, but do you really necessarily want that to come from outside of them, right? That puts an unnecessary burden on you as the catalyst for change. And what if you initiate change in them that you don't want, (laughs) you know, and it ends up destroying your relationship. I, I really think that it's real. It's important to expect the person to acknowledge the things that are bad for them. And, you know, you can share an article with them and say, Hey, I'm not entirely sure that this is the healthiest behavioral pattern. And here's why here's my evidence. Actually, I said that when I first met up with uh, my current fiance, my current, I've never had another fiance. This is my first, um, But anyways, when I first met up with my partner, um, I did say that in face of solid evidence, we should be able to let go what we previously thought true and take the better path, right? Or shed those things that may no longer be true despite what we feel. Um, So that's, you know, favoring reason. You should also understand your emotions and your feelings and your gut has a lot to say to you. That is true. That's for sure. But sometimes we're not fully oriented and in the face of evidence, right? If you can make a solid argument, you should probably listen to that. However, I will say this too, is that I want to contend with someone who can also display and put evidence and a solid argument on the table so that we have these contending ideas to negotiate right? And, and usually those two things give birth to an even more comprehensive, better idea. So that's what I want. That's what I mean when I say I want someone to contend with me. And so anyways, if you're trying to change someone because you think this will be better for them and you're probably right, first, you need to make sure you're right, right? You need the evidence for it. And you need to lay out an argument in a way that allows them to pick it up or leave it there. And, you know, this is why ultimatums are not good. I had this thought the other day, though, that sometimes ultimatums are necessary and good, and sometimes they're bad. It just depends on how you use them. But that's probably another conversation for another time. Because an ultimatum can be the catalyst for change, right? And essentially, that's what I gave my fiance when we first started, because I was like, hey, look, I know this is in, in immediate, this, this will work if 
you can provide this for me and it won't work if you can't. And I'm okay with that. And we just met. So you're, you should be okay with that too, right? Like it's good to figure that out before you fall in love with someone and the emotions take over and the fantasy takes over and the illusion and all of that. No, thank you. I've experienced that before and being taken over by that. Don't like how it clouds my judgment and makes it so I can't see things clearly and accurately. And I want to know if someone's pulling the wool over my eyes. So let's remove the feelings for now and then figure out if this is something we can actually do reasonably. Right. So anyways, changing someone, figure out if you're right and wanting that for them and presenting them the evidence. And if they think that their behavior is correct, they can present their argument too, right? Like it's important to to also listen to their side. But if it's just woe is me, I can't do it, I can't blah 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 change. I have no evidence as to why I shouldn't do it. You know, it's actually healthier for me, and I have no evidence why. No, screw that. You're better than that, right? <laughs> That's what I would say to that person. Um, no, screw that. You're better than that. And if you choose to continue down this road, like we can't have kids together because I'm sorry what am I going to do when the kids have an alcoholic dad? And I know now that that's what's going to happen based off the way that you're responding to this addiction or, or whatever. So anyways, that's just an example, but you want to also see their potential. And if they won't do anything to help themselves, then, oh, well, causing you grave pain and disappointment. Heck yeah. I think that's completely accurate especially if your expectations are not oriented properly. So you need to know who they are. You need to expect expect them to reach their potential accurately. So you need to be oriented properly. Otherwise, you will experience pain and disappointment. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. But you have to decide whether or not you're the one that's seeing things unclearly and you're being unreasonable or if they're the ones that are doing that. And that's what you bring to the table and negotiate together. And hopefully you can articulate your sides well enough and evidence your sides well enough to figure out maybe there's a third way forward that allows us to keep some of our values and you know beliefs and ideas and, and thoughts and requires us to burn off some other things. It says the sooner you let go, the faster you'll heal. I really think that this is an intense case. Like this is the perfect quote for me and my relationship with my ex. And as soon as I let that go, it's true. I didn't have the pain and disappointment anymore. So I I really think that this quote is accurate in some situations and then like not accurate in others because Obviously, if you love someone, there's going to be negative things. They're going to fall short. So you want to still prioritize their potential of not falling short in certain regards, right? But also they should be a net positive. They shouldn't just be this like horrible person that is good to you one day and then not good to you the next, you know, and you just never know what kind of day it's going to be. And so I think, like I said, falling for the potential of who someone could be instead of who they actually are will cause you grave pain and disappointment. The sooner you let go, the faster you'll heal. Literally describes a situation with my ex, does not really describe the situation with my current partner because 
It doesn't cause me grave pain and disappointment when he falls short of my expectation, because first of all, if I can focus on my expectation as being the problem, then I can adjust that, right? And negotiate that. And sometimes he needs to be the one that points that out to me. That's him being a mirror. And sometimes he is the one who should change, right? Like he needs to burn something off. So I don't think, I I don't know. I I think in this regard, this needs to be broken up and kind of almost reworded for that kind of situation. And like I said, in regards to kids, like you need to believe in their potential, right? That's a must. Otherwise your kids are going to be little, little demon monsters and you're not gonna, you're not going to love that. So, all right. I think that is all of my thoughts on this in, in this particular quote. Um, I'm really glad I got to read it again and, and think of a way in which it may actually be accurate. And um, duh, my ex is a perfect example of that situation that this quote is perfect for. So anyways, okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thank you for bearing with a monologue this week. And I know it wasn't balanced out by my yin, but hopefully it wasn't too horrible. And I'm sure if it was, you could just turn it off, you know? So that's on you. If you got to the end and ended up being disappointed, (laughs) you fell for my potential. (laughs) But no, I definitely, we always want to get better. So if you have ideas or questions to help prompt new discussions or anything really, please always feel free to reach out to us. Yeah. Thanks for listening and we will catch you next week. Hey, subscribe, rate us and leave a review. Find us on Instagram, the genuine gals. Our website is thegenuinegals.com. We'd love to hear from you guys on, on what you think and honestly, what else you'd like to hear us talk about. So we'll catch you next week.